Good morning. Um, today's Bible reading is from Hebrews chapter 5, verses 1 to 10. So if you have your Bibles, um, yeah, feel free to, to look at that. So verse 1, every high priest is selected from among the people and is appointed to represent the people in matters related to God, to offer gifts and sacrifice for sins. He is able to deal gently with those who are ignorant and are going astray, since he himself is subject to weakness. This is why he has to go to offer sacrifices for his own sins, as well as for the sins of the people. And no one takes this honour on himself, but he receives it when called by God, just as Aaron was. In the same way, Christ did not take himself the glory of becoming a high priest, but God said to him, You are my son, today I have become your father. And he says in another place, You are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. During the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with fervent cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. And he was heard because of the reverent submission. Son though he was, he learned obedience from what he suffered. And once made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation for all who obeyed him and was designated by God to be high priest in the order of Melchizedek. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much that you are our high, high priest, Lord. Um, we are sorry for our sins. Um, we're sorry that we fall short of your standard, Lord. Um, and there's nothing we can do on our own about that. Um, we thank you that you have taken our place, Lord. Thank you for dying for us. Thank you for dying for, for our sins, Lord. Um, yeah, we pray for, for Matt as he comes to speak this morning. We pray for those who uh, have come here um, feeling low, maybe have hard hearts, Lord, this morning. Um, we pray that you soften those hearts. Speak through math, Lord. Your word is powerful, and we pray that you will change your hearts this morning through his word. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Morning, everyone. I, I must not have put on my links today because it seems like everyone's a bit further back and there's a bit of a gap, so uh, I'll make sure I do that next week. But have, have you ever used, or maybe when was the last time you used someone's name to get something or to get somewhere? Like you name-dropped someone that you know to maybe get something or to get into a position or... Maybe it was like a, a plumber you wanted to get a good deal with or a builder you kind of used someone's name that you know. Uh, for instance, if I went to Cardiff Uni um, <clears throat> and started looking lost or wanted to see someone, I'd happily name drop Jonathan Thomas or Alan Kwan from this place and say, yeah, I know these guys. Like, we're good. Can you sort me out? They might, they might not. Cardiff Uni is such a big department that they might not understand, but I would, I'd happily name drop them. Or if I went to Tesco in Gibalfa and I was looking for a bit of discount, I'd go, I'd go and see Colleen or Tabora. I'd definitely go to Deborah's till 
and say, Deborah, can you help me out with it? 15%? 15%. So I'd, I'd happily do that. <clears throat> and also, uh, everyone, isn't it? It's really difficult these days to get a doctor's appointment. If you're on the phone, you could be on the phone for hours, can you? But if I ever need to get a doctor's appointment in Llan Rumney Doctors, then I'm married to the receptionist, okay? So... <laughs> Although it's no good because I'm not in that doctor's. <laughs> but also a side note, if anyone could get me, anyone gets a no, has anyone, if anyone's got a name that can speed up a vasectomy, please let me know later, okay? Because I'm, I'm on a three-year waiting list, so I still need a, I still need a name for that, okay? Um, but but we'll, 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 often, we'll often say it, don't we? We'll often speak on someone's behalf or maybe we'll try to... Uh, share a bit of information, say, maybe say someone's name to help us maybe get further in line or to get us a good deal or to maybe speed us up a bit. And these people are classes like middlemen, aren't they? Or middlemen or middlewomen, almost someone that, that you know, that that person knows that's going to help you hopefully get a bit quicker or hopefully speed things up or get a good deal or something like that. We all have a middleman or a middlewoman and it always helps. And today we're, we're going to find out about uh, God's middleman in that sense, and, um, w- which we believe is Jesus. And, and sadly, even, still, even though Jesus has still been around for 2,000 years, there's still different middlemen, isn't there? There's di- even with Jesus, people add on top of Jesus. So like Is- Israel and Pal- Palestine now, Muslims would be- believe in Jesus, but they would say that he's not our middleman. Like there's a guy called Muhammad. So we believe in Jesus, but Muhammad trumps him. Or, or Israel, they wouldn't believe in Jesus. They would see, say he was a false prophet. And so they still have the middleman as the priest. And both of these in the conflict are thinking that they're honoring God and, and, and doing what pleases God. If you're brought up in a Catholic church, if that's your upbringing, then maybe a priest is your middleman, or maybe that's just kind of what you're used to. Yesterday, me and, Th- me and Lewis went for a drive um, uh, just through Rabina and, and the church there, the, the Church of Jesus Christ, even Jesus Christ on the name of the church, uh, but explaining to Lewis that they use a different middleman in that sense, or Jesus plus this guy, Joseph Smith. Or well, for lots of people, they, don't, they, they skip the middleman and they think it's them, don't they? Like lots of people think, well, I don't need a middleman. I'm my own person. I've got my own name. I can go direct to the source. And so lots of people think I'm fine with God because I'm okay. I'm a good enough person. Like I haven't done these really bad stuff. So if I need to speak to God, I don't need a, someone in between. Like I can go on my behalf. But one author says this: today we are still uh, prohibited. Prohibited from being our own priest. It is with great arrogance to think we can approach God on our own without a priest. But it's also great superstition to think we need any priest other than Jesus Christ himself. God provides Jesus as a mediator and priest, and we must use the priest God provides. So today we're going to look at God's middleman. If you have your Bibles in front of you, then that might help. I've just put these on verses just to, just to, to show you where we're going. Uh, but just verses, ch- Hebrews chapter 5, verses 1 to 10. And just to, 
just a comment on some of these verses. It says, every high priest, verse 1, every high priest is selected from among the people and is appointed to represent the people in matters related to God, to offer gifts and sacrifices for sins. And so if you're from, uh, obviously, a Jewish background or, or a Catholic background, like this word priest would stick out to you. Someone in the cafe the other day asked me, what's the difference between pastor and priest or vicar? So lots of people are, come, are brought up with this, this understanding of priest. And it comes from the, the Jewish practice of priests playing a part as, as middlemen between God and other people. Uh, and so you would go to a priest to offer thanksgiving to God, but also you would go to a priest to offer a sacrifice to get your sins forgiven to God. And also, and these priests, were come, they came from one tribe. There's 12 tribes of Israel, and they came from one specific tribe called the tribe of Levi or, or Levites. And verse 2 says this, about talking about the priest, he is able to deal gently. Look at that. He is able to deal gently or compassionately, your verse might say, with those who are ignorant and are going astray, since he himself is subject to weakness. This was, a, as I was reading it this week, this was a challenge to myself and, and for us as elders leading uh, this church and so on. But also for maybe if you're a group leader or, or even just a general, isn't it? As Christians, we're called... Um, this, we're called to treat people with gentleness and compassion, um, especially if they are ignorant or go astray or sin. And we're called to do that because we're called to remember our own weakness. Um, I, I can remember doing a, a, a sermon once called Pl Plank Glasses. And uh, almost like these, what Jesus says in Matthew 7 about your plank and the speck in other people. In Matthew 7, Jesus says this, in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use it, it will be measured to you. Like, why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there's a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye and then you will see it clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. And this isn't just saying, or oh, don't say anything to other, anyone. Don't be politically correct and just don't say anything. It's just saying, when it comes to situations where you are going to be confronted with people, remember the plank. Like when people come to see me on a pastoral time, like I'm just kind of like... A, fully aware like the planks in my own eye and so like as I'm looking at the speck and I'm trying to help them I'm like saying God help me remember my plank as I'm serving from a point of weakness uh, and and this is what is called it, it talks about he wants a high priest who's compassionate and gentle it doesn't say he wants a high priest who just cuts up meat which what high priests did, they would have offered sacrifices. He, he didn't just say he wants a high priest who's a butcher. Like, that's not the call. He wasn't, he wasn't calling a butcher, he was calling a high priest. And the high priest was more than a meat cutter, someone says, offering animals for sacrifice. He also had to have compassion on those who were ignorant and going astray and ministered the atoning sacrifices with a loving heart for the people. 
So we serve the people with a loving heart, with gentleness and respect, knowing their own weakness. But Jesus had to go with the, the religious leaders in Matthew 7 who kind of forgot their weakness, who kind of thought they were out without sin, who thought they were kind of okay, and they dealt with people in a harsh way. But verse 3 says about his own uh, weakness, it says, verse 3, it says, this is why he has to offer sacrifices for his own sins, as well as the sins of other people. And God made specific commands to help these high priests to minister with compassion. In the breastplate, which we read in, in Exodus and Leviticus, they would have had like almost a uniform, like a policeman or, or a, a doctor. They would have had a uniform, but it would have been specifically designed by God. And they would have had a breastplate with 12 uh, stones engraved on this breastplate, engraved with the names of the tribes of Israel. Almost like, do you know, like we have, our equivalent is photos on the wall, isn't it? Photos on the wall of our loved ones, of our families, of our brothers or sisters, of our parents or loved ones. Like that kind of represents, don't we, our love, our family. Where these were, were stones with the names of Israel, the 12 tribes engraved on their breastplate and on the shoulder straps and stones engraved with these tribes. And in this way, the people of Israel were always on their heart, always on his heart or shoulder of the high priest which says about Exodus 28. And on the Day of Atonement, a big day, the high, high priest first, first had to sacrifice for himself or offer sacrifices for his own sin to remind himself and the people that he was not perfect, that he had to deal with this sin problem with God before he had to deal with that for the rest of Israel. And verse 4 says, And no one takes this honor on himself, but he receives it when called by God, just as Aaron was. This has changed to maybe our days now where we have maybe CVs and look at experience, look at character, look at qualifications. That's how we kind of pick people and choose people, and that's good. Uh, but back then, this wasn't like about individuals. This was one, wasn't like a political voting God established one tribe, the tribe of Levi, the Levites, to be uh, set apart, to be chosen as priests. And the principle was this, that no man takes honor on himself. No man can think, oh, I've made it. I'm the high priest. Like, I'm the top dog. Like, it was a, it was a hard role. It was a service that Aaron started, Moses' uh, brother-in-law, to, to serve him and to be the spokesman, but also... Uh, to, to receive from God. And the office of high priest was, was nothing to aspire to or to campaign for. It was given by right of birth and therefore chosen by God. And that, so that's why it says it was, uh, it was an honor no man could take for himself. This was something set apart from God. So no one could be the big boy in that sense, but it was ordained by God. But then verse 5, it then focuses on Jesus then so it talks about the history but now it goes into jesus in verse 5 but in the same way christ did not take on himself the glory of becoming a high priest in the same way christ did not take on himself the glory of becoming a high priest just like jesus wasn't born in a palace he chose a stable just like Jesus wasn't born into an extremely rich or powerful family, he was brought up in a place 
nobody really knew about and a carpenter so too he wasn't born into the tribe of levi he wasn't born into this high priestly tribe which some people kind of say well he can't be the son of god he can't be the chosen one but there's many prophecies about him coming from the tribe of judah and also his difference was that jesus's resurrection demonstrated that he was not a priest like aaron who had to atone for his own sins first the resurrection vindicated jesus as the father's holy one which says in acts 2 who bore the wrath sinners deserved without becoming a sinner himself where the levites recognized that they were sinners and had to offer sacrifices for themselves first jesus didn't need to be part of that tribe because he was without sin he didn't have sin he didn't have this sin problem like everyone else did and so his death and resurrection showed that he was much bigger than that but it says but god said to him you are my son today i have become your father and he says in another place you are a priest forever in the order of melchizedek and before you think if before you ask the question who on earth is melchizedek we're going to look at that in two weeks because he even gives a whole chapter on this guy who only has a little reference in the old testament but many references here to god the father the son and i was in the school this week doing an assembly and um with year one pupils it was billy and i showed him a little video and it was really clear to the, the in the video that the reason the only reason jesus was killed is because he claimed to be the son of god that was it is because he said that i am the son of god they didn't have anything else on him it was just like this was blasphemy to be say that you are from god so it was the reason why jesus was killed is because he claimed to be the son of god to because he claimed to be god and it was the reason he was killed but it was it was because he claimed to be the son of god but also this week i've been um, i've set an alarm i read in a book uh, a pete greg book how to pray and 12 o'clock he sets his alarm uh every day he has he has th- different prayers but 12 o'clock he sets his a, a, a alarm to do the lord's prayer and maybe that's what you can do it's been really helpful for me to do the alarm it's interesting when the alarm sets off in different situations as well but it's just been good to just 12 o'clock set the alarm and to do and to to just read the lord's prayer or just speak it out uh, and to meditate on it uh, and as i was doing this and as i was looking at this today uh this week sorry and also looking at the lord's prayer um it, it, the, the, it stood out to me it said one day jesus was praying in a certain place so jesus himself was praying and when he finished his time of prayer which looks like he was by himself one is one of his disciples said to him lord teach us so he's talking about himself but also his disciples like teach us to pray we've just seen you praying so teach us to pray just as john john the baptist taught his disciples so he said to them when you pray so he's saying lord teach us how to pray and then jesus is saying to them or well, when you pray because only for the first time it might have stood out to you before only for the first time as i was re- doing the lord's prayer and reading this as jesus taught teaches them this prayer uh, which is known worldwide 
there's, there's one line that isn't correct for Jesus in the Lord's Prayer. There's one line where he's, it's not correct for him. He's, he's, he's not saying this about himself. He's not just saying like, oh, this is the prayer that I just prayed. He's saying, I'm going to teach you how to pray. Like, this is for you. This is how you guys pray. Anyone spotted it? Father, forgive us our sins. And it stood out to me, it stood out to me this week, like Jesus never had to say to God, Father, forgive me. Like Jesus never had to say it. I don't know about you, but that's a daily occurrence. <laughs> a few times for me, not just to God, but with my wife or my children. But Jesus never had to say to God, Father, forgive me. Because of his perfection, because of his obedience, because of his willingness. He never had to say, Father, forgive me. Isn't that amazing? But isn't it, it, it almost seems a bit like, oh, is that arrogant? Like, is it arrogant to kind of say, f- to not ask God forgive, for forgiveness? And yet, Jesus is the only one who could not ask God for forgiveness. And yet, so many people, including myself, I was 18, so many people don't ask God for forgiveness and think they're okay. So many people are the opposite of Jesus and arrogant before God and don't think they need to say, Father, forgive me. Yet Jesus, the only one who didn't say it, he's almost like saying, look, I, need, I don't need to say this, but this is going <laughs> to be something you guys say a lot. <laughs> to keep your relationship good with God, to keep you, yourselves good with each other. But, and yet, so many people, millions of people on the earth today don't believe this prayer, don't believe that they are sinners, don't believe that Jesus is the one who can forgive their sins, don't believe that this is needed for them. Yet Jesus never had to say those words, and yet he taught us how to stay right with God. And and, and verse 7, it says this, During the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered a prayer's and petitions with fervent cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverent submission. Jesus often went by himself to pray, as that, that, that verse just showed, whether it was in the start of his ministry, going off for 40 days to pray through fasting in the wilderness, whether it was through the loss of, of a loved loved one like his cousin John the Baptist, he says he went off and prayed, or, or whether it was asking about who were going to be the 12. Jesus had many followers, and he submitted himself to prayer and seeking God. Who did God the Father want to be his 12? But this verse talks about a different type of prayer. It talks about the, the agony of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. The night before the crucifixion, they just had uh, bread and wine together. Now they were in the Garden of Gethsemane. And and Jesus is under uh, physical and spiritual mental pain where he's sweating drops of blood. uh, And he calls out to God. He cries out to God, Father, take this cup away from me. Like, take this cup away from me, this... 
the, the weight, not just necessarily the weight of the physical cross, but the weight of human sin. Take this cup away from me. He proved that he struggled with the difficulty of obedience, yet he obeyed perfectly because he said, Father, take this cup away from me, yet the cup was not taken away. But nevertheless, his prayer was heard because his prayer was not to escape the Father's will. He said, Lord, take this cup away from me. And he probably stood there and he probably held in that moment for a while. But then he said, but your will be done. Your will be done to accept it. And this answers the question, how can this glorious, enthroned Jesus who's now at the right hand of God, how can this Jesus know what I'm going on through down here? How can he know? How can he know? How can Jesus know what's going on in Israel and Gaza right now, where they are the very streets that the Son of God stood on? They are the very streets that he walked on. They are the very people that he loved. He knows obedience, and, and he knows it from being obedience. Obedience did not always come for easy for Jesus, as it doesn't come for us, but he, he was faithful to the end. And verse 8 said, Son though he was, he learned obedience from what he suffered. It says that Jesus learned obedience. We're the opposite, aren't we? We, we have to learn um, obedience due to our disobedience. Like we have to learn obedience because of our sin. Um, Maybe it's just my sons, or maybe it's specifically Theo. <laughs> but uh, he seems to naturally lean to be disobedient. I don't know if it's, if it's just a Hopkins thing, I'm not quite sure. But he, he's quite natural um, in his disobedience because of his sin, because of our sin. But, but Jesus was different. He wasn't naturally disobedient, but he was God. So he, he needed to learn obedience because... He was God. One author wrote, One thing that God, enthroned in heaven, does not know is the experience of obedience. Enthroned in the heavens, God obeys no one. <laughs> like, he obeys no one. He speaks and, and, and universes are created. They don't ask on his behalf. But if he asks the angels to do something, they say, oh, oh let's have a meeting about this. Like, they don't, they don't do that. God obeys no one, all obey him. And this is a lovely line. He says, the angels must have marveled as they saw the Son of God who added humanity to his deity actually live out obedience. Now the angel would say, wow, not only did he become a son, a child of God, but he's learning how to be obedient. The Son of God, the radiance of light, the one who created all things. And then the final verse on verse 9. And once made perfect, which is massively important, it would only be, Jesus is only the way if he was perfect. And once made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him and was designated by God to be the priest of, in order of Melchizedek. Like I said, we'll talk about that Melchizedek in two weeks' time, but he became the source of eternal salvation for all who 
obey him. First Timothy 2 verse 5 says, For there is one God and one mediator between God and mankind, the man Christ Jesus, who gave, gave himself as a ransom for all people. I started with a quote saying, Today we are also prohibited. I said it wrong again there. Eh? Prohibited. <laughs> Today we are also prohibited from being our own priest. It is with great arrogance to think we can approach God on our own without a priest. But it is also great superstition to think we need any priest other than Jesus Christ himself. God provides Jesus as a mediator and priest, and we must use the priest God provides. It's not Jesus plus. It's not Jesus plus my works, Jesus plus a pope, or Jesus plus um, uh, Mohammed. It's not Jesus plus Joseph Smith. It's not Jesus plus myself, or just myself without it. He became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him. So as we finish today, and it's just question, like who are you using to get to God? When you pray to God or when you think about God, or I think I need to get to God, I need to get right with God, like who are you using? It's good to have confession. It's good to confess with one another. James says if we confess our, our sins with another and pray with each other, we will get healed. So confession is good. But who are we using to get to God? If we think there's a, a human being on this earth who we need to go through in order to get to God, then the Bible doesn't say that. The New Testament changes that. If we think we don't need Jesus and we're by ourselves, like that is arrogant before a loving holy God like let's deal with each other with gentleness and compassion when someone shares something with us or maybe we need to there's something in someone's life that we need to lovingly go and speak to let's remember the plank in our own eyes let's make sure we take these plank glasses off before we try to help people with specs like let's deal with gentleness and compassion and finally as we're going to spend a bit more time in worship, like let's give thanks to the one who taught us to pray. The one who said, when you pray, say, Father, forgive us. And yet he never had to say that. He never had to say that, but he bled and died and rose again. So when we say, Father, forgive us, he looks at Jesus and says, yes, yes, I do. Yes, I will, because the one who never had to ask me for it has paid for us. He's paid on our behalf. So we're going to finish off there. We're going to sing the song, The Lord's my shepherd, I'll not want. And the chorus says, And I will trust in you alone. If you've been struggling with that, if you need to say that as, a, as almost like a prayer, Lord, help me say, I will trust in you alone not myself not my good works no other human on this earth no other prophet or anyone else after you or before you help me trust in you alone 
and and as we if you need any prayer for anything then there's a bit of time people will happily pray for you at the front here or after the service but if you're able to let's sing this as a declaration that we will trust in him alone